This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Libby Hartfield, the retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, is out this week. It's our first Creature Comforts broadcast for 2019, so we're going to dedicate it to our four-legged companions. Yep, the doors to the pet hospital are open. We're looking for your pet questions, from dogs to cats and everything in between. Phone lines can fill up quickly during our pet show, so don't hesitate to give us a call or email your questions for Dr. Major. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464 or send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Always like to remind you that if you miss Creature Comforts on Thursday, it repeats Saturday mornings at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope that, that you're doing well today. Doing well. Good morning. And uh, had a, a good holiday, I hope? It was busy. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was good, though. And uh, it's good to, you know, at the vet clinic, uh, things really don't slow down much during the holiday. And uh, it's in fact sometimes it's busier, so we 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 stayed busy, and of course we had to continue to keep staff. There's other some of our employees and veterinarians have to take off, you know, for mm-hmm. family and travel, but we were able to handle it handle it quite well. All right, uh, uh, our producer Java found uh, something about the Consumer Electronics Show that's happening in Las Vegas about some pet-related uh, products there that we'll talk about in just a minute. But we do have a caller to get to, so we'll start our program by welcoming Betty from Brandon into the broadcast. Betty, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Hi, thank you. My question is for Doctor Major. I I wonder if he would address the boondoggle that happened a couple of weeks ago with the police dog. My my particular questions are, do we already have some sort of rescue group for retired police dogs that maybe the officer could have reached out to? And if if we already have that, what could we do to change things so that everybody can live happily ever after in these situations? I'm going to hang up and let yes, you answer those that. Those are good questions, yes. Uh, first of all, uh, I would have to say that things have in my opinion, have worked out fine. There was a lot of, uh, what shall I say, blogging and uh, different types of uh, comments based on all of the things that transpired. But really, the dog is in a good home. He's well taken care of and uh, was adopted by a good family. The, uh, I think communication was the biggest mix-up with this situation, and I, I'm really not do not fault anyone from this standpoint, just communications as much as anything else. The dogs, both of the dogs were retired uh, uh, with good service. And I agree with you that there should be some sort of uh, foundation or group that could help uh, with uh, placement of uh, uh, the police dogs, the dogs that are used in narcotic search, uh, used for control. But uh, in most cases, uh, the handler wants to take the dog with them, which is great uh, if that's possible. But sometimes circumstances present themselves where they can't. And then uh, through due diligence and everything, I think it's wise that uh, uh, adoption procedures be 
uh, in place and the quality family um, is secured. In answer to your question, though, I do not know of a foundation at this point um, that is directed toward uh, care of retired police dogs. Uh, and uh, for those that are not in the Jackson area, just a quick idea. But basically, I guess, Dr. Major, there were a couple of police dogs that had retired. And for a little while, there was some confusion as to where they ultimately would end up. But as you said, uh, happy ending to the story. They have both now found happy homes uh, to live out their retirement. Right. And one of the dogs, actually, as I understand it, went with the handler. Uh, he was able to take it and uh, keep the dog at his home, which is ideal because of the bond between the officer and the dogs. That was good. Uh, and just as a tangent, you know, I, I, one show on cable that I watch is one of those police shows where they show you actual police investigating things. Various departments around the country have, have participated with the network. And uh, there are a lot of police dogs, and it's it's kind of interesting to, to watch them work, but also it's kind of funny because, the, you know, once that dog gets on the scent of something, uh, sometimes the police officer has a hard time trying to keep up with the dogs. Uh, but it and, and again, just from anecdotally from watching that show, it seems like uh, police dogs certainly are an important part of a lot of uh, right. uh, police officers and sheriff's offices around the country. Right. They're they're highly intelligent. They've been trained. Uh, a lot of training goes into that uh, to make sure the dog can do what it's supposed to do. And uh, I saw on TV, I guess, three or four days ago, they had a retirement ceremony in, I want to say, in Michigan. And uh, the dog had been in service for 12 years, which is exceedingly long. And they actually had a parade for the dog with all the officers there and all the patrol patrol cars were lined up. So that was was a great uh, thing there where they actually honored this dog that had been in uh, service for like 12 years. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's an all-pet day today, so we're looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show as well. Just send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go. Next up, it's Tony from Hattiesburg. Tony, go ahead, please. Yes, uh, I... Uh just wanted to ha- I had a question in terms of a uh, a small dog. He is uh, uh, we've had him since uh, June of uh, this year. Uh, I've got him as a puppy, and now he's he's a he's in between a Yorkie and a Mark. I think it's a Mark Teeth, a Marquis, Martis. Maltese, uh, probably, yeah. Yes. And, Yes. Martise, yes. And he's very, very active. Uh, what happened a couple of days ago is he uh, he uh, got his leg uh, hit real bad, and uh, we thought it was broke. Uh, and we hadn't taken him to the doctor yet, to the vet. But I just wanted to check to uh, see it, uh, your recommendation because he, uh, after about an hour of limping, he pretty much stopped. And now he's running around and still active. So do I still need to take him? Or I have been, we've been watching him and trying to see whether or not he's going right. to limp anymore, and he hasn't. Right. Is this so front front leg him. front leg or back yes, leg? Yes, front, front. Okay. And he's acting well, acting good. Now, does he show any pain when you feel of it or touch it? No, not okay. showing any pain. Well, I think, I think it's fine to continue to observe. And if he starts limping again on that leg... Uh, certainly get him into your vet, but right now it sounds like he's he's doing okay. 
So I think okay. you think you've done the right thing. Great. Okay. All right, Dan. Thank you for your call. Uh, thank you. Thank yes, you, man. All right, Tony. Thanks uh, for calling in this morning. We have a surprise visitor in the studio, and Libby Hartfield has joined us today. So, Libby, uh, welcome to 2019. Glad to have you back on Creature Comforts. How was your home? Hello. It was wonderful. I'm glad to be back. It's, um, well, I feel like it's about as cold here as it was in Oregon, but (laughs) (laughs) we had a wonderful time. And and I know the Pacific Northwest is known for its uh, rainy weather, and again, for the last, uh, certainly not the last couple of days, but uh, prior to that, uh, we certainly had a very, very wet end 2018 here in Mississippi, that's for sure. Definitely, yeah. It, I was kind of following the weather both places, and I would, it was like we were rain every day, rain every day, and we were just 8 to 10 degrees colder out there than here. <laughs> that was the only difference. One thing, though, too, that... It was just such a steady rain. It was not really heavy, heavy at times, but it just seemed like I think there was one day it, it must have rained almost all day. And so uh, I've certainly been enjoying uh, this uh, sunny weather that we've been had. Uh, I think most of Mississippi's been sunny for the last couple of days. So uh, in the wintertime, I guess, when you get little stretches of nice weather, you need to enjoy it when you can. I think uh, 2018 is one of the wettest years we've had. I saw that on uh, one of the news stations, and it showed that the wettest on record in Jackson was 90 inches. And I believe we had right at 80, so we were. that's a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. A lot of rain. Well, I was always taught that rain was a good thing, and you, you, <laughs> it was hard to get too much of it, right. but... <laughs> well, we have, to, we have to accept and take what we get, that's, yeah. that's for certain. All right, a couple minutes before our first break, we, uh, as I mentioned, uh, Java, our producer, found uh, some uh, items from the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas that are pet-related, so I thought I'd toss these out and we could chat a little bit about how practical you think they are, whether that's a good idea. The first one uh, does seem like a good idea to me. It's a collar with LTE tracking and an HD camera. Uh, I've seen some on the web sometimes uh, people have put like a, a little camera on their cat or whatever, and it's interesting um, although I, I guess if you have an outdoor cat, it, you, maybe you might not want to know where it's going in the middle of the night, but, uh, this seems like a pretty practical one. Uh, Dr. Major, I guess the collar with the, uh, tracking device would be similar to having, uh, the, the chip that uh, you can have in your pet as well. Well, at this point, I don't know of a chip that will acts as a GPS type ah, thing. The okay. collars, a lot of collars do. Uh, you can have it where you can actually track you. If you're at work and you want to see where your pet is, you could... You know, especially if it got out, you could see where where it went, where it's going. Um, those are good. I have one problem with the cameras, especially if uh, if your pet is, uh, let's say, out running loose. Quite often, somebody might take that collar uh, that your pet has, which has happened uh, in some cases. My point being, uh, those are very interesting, but I would think it would be uh, interesting to see where that cat does go at night. It might, <laughs> might, be, might fool you. Also, I remember I've, I think I online saw one time there was a, a camera out in the wilderness or in, and a lion came to it and pretty much kind of played <laughs> around with it, but it ended up almost destroying the whole thing. So uh, that was a lot of wasted money, I think. Uh, we need to take our first break. When we get back, we're going to continue all pet day, and we're looking for your pet questions this morning. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. Stay tuned.
Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Levy Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. No guest in studio this morning, so it's an all-pet day. If you have a question about your pet, give us a call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, Libby, you've got a couple of events that you want to tell us about. Yeah, um, at the Natural Science Museum here in Jackson, Family Fun Science Night, which is a lot of fun. I've done this several times, 530 to 830. So it's after work, designed for parents and children to do this together and um, <clears throat> it's a uh, there are science experiments and demonstrations going on all over the building. Kids can participate in lots of them, and it's a great time to come up with an a idea for a science fair project or any kind of special project a kid might have. Good way for parents to um, have a little fun learning with kids, which we're always all about. So that's a fun night, family fun science night, January 17th. 5.30 to 8.30. And then uh, the new exhibit is starting, Ocean Bound, okay. which I think is going to be a lot of fun. I've always liked something about the ocean. And that starts January the 26th on a Saturday. And um, then a plea for volunteers. The museum always needs volunteers. And if you've made a New Year's resolution or even if you haven't <laughs> to get more involved in the community, it's a, a really a fun way to do it. It's a, a it's a great group of people that volunteer up there. And uh, you can, you know, pretty much pick your times and what you do. You can be behind the scenes or right out there in the middle of all the action or anything in between. But uh, and. Both of these events, of course, the museum they'll need the museum exhibit they'll need volunteers for, and for Family Fun Science Night, if you hurry and volunteer right away, you'll get trained to do some fun experiments at night. All right, you know I, there must have been a lull in science fairs because I can remember my older brothers and sisters doing them, but the, I don't remember ever having to do one when I was in school. But then, obviously, I think. They have become back in vogue, I guess, because... Uh, you know, yeah, I think for a while I didn't do them. I did them when I was little, and then when I was teaching, it was all about it. And, oh, it was, it's it's kind of terrifying for a teacher because <laughs> you realize, you know, the kids are in a competition, but the teachers sort of are too. You know, you want your st- students to do well in science fair, you've got to prepare them. Okay, uh, got some pet questions to get to, but did want to go through just a couple more of these interesting uh, pet-related items from the Consumer Electronics Show. I think my favorite is this one. It's a pet sauna that will blow-dry your small dog in about 25 minutes. To use it, you put your drenched pooch inside the dryer, close the door, and set the temperature. Warm air circulates around slowly, drying your furry companion, and you can have one for only $660. That would terrify my dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Yes, I can see a malfunction happening also, <laughs> you know. So, yes, it, it's, it's pretty pricey, and uh, you can get a handheld blow dryer and do it in about 10 minutes or less. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, some people might want that. That's, that's interesting. Well, and I think the same thing. You know, I, To me, it would either be the dog would love it or hate it, and I guess to me it would depend on – how gentle the warm air is or whatever. You know, some dogs, I guess, maybe like little confined spaces and that sort of thing. And then again, just a quick tangent, we'll get back to the phones. But my other thing that I used to see, there was some sort of 
electronic device that was a nail clipper for your pets, and it's this big thing. And on the commercial, they show the yeah, they show a yeah. pet you know just very calmly sticking their paw out, and I'm thinking that is not really going to be the case with anybody's mm-hmm. real pet. But and now, do most or is it just my my two dogs? They don't like noise. They don't want to be around a vacuum cleaner mm-hmm. or a hair dryer or a, even the lawnmower or anything like that. Yeah, is that common lot, lot or? A lot of dogs are turned off by sounds like that, especially if they weren't introduced to them properly. Some mm-hmm. people think it's funny, for example, to chase a cat with a vacuum cleaner. Or, or yeah. well, maybe not funny, but yeah. still, the cat will run a lot of times. And the dogs, some of the dogs will attack the lawnmower. And we've had issues with that because sometimes they will literally slide under, their feet will slide under the mower. Ugh. And we've had some shredded feet with that. So these things are all... Uh, Dependent on the dog and the and the owner or the uh, person in charge, that introduction to these things on a slow basis a lot of times works. All right, uh, back to the phone lines we go. Let's start in Beaumont. Our friend Sue is on the line. Good morning, Sue. Go ahead. Good morning. I I just like to say how good it is to have Libby and Dr. Major and Kevin all back together again. <laughs> Thank nice you. to have you all together. Thanks. Thank you. And I want to ask y'all a question. Uh, this is not about pet because I don't have any pets, but. This is a wildlife observation right quick, but I'm dying to know the answer. I have this overgrown pyracantha bush in the backyard. I think that's what it is. It's got red berries all over it. Yes, ma'am. And it's got a big, long, overgrown branch, and birds just have been flocking to that. And uh, the only bird I recognized was a cedar waxwing, but there's all different kind of birds. I don't know if they're migrating or just coming out of hiding from the rain or what. But but this is the thing. There's a, there's a mockingbird that will come and run them away. <laughs> And they'll all fly away and be twittering, you know, and complaining about it. And as soon as the mockingbird flies away, they'll all come back again. But one at a time. But but this is the thing. I thought those pyracantha berries were poisonous. And so how can a bird, the birds know what, what to eat and what not to eat? I mean, how, how do they know that they're not poisoned? This, go ahead, Olivia. Yeah, just there are some things that are that are poisonous for people and not for birds, but th- that is a very good question, and I don't think we know for sure. Some animals probably have to learn that, and many are just born with it, but I think many fewer things are poisonous to them than are to us. Is that Absolutely. correct, Troy? That's, that's true. It's interesting about the pyracantha, though, and uh, the red color, I think, attracts attracts the birds. They go through a certain stage, though, and uh, my mother always enjoyed watching them because we had some pyracantha bushes, and sometimes they'd be loaded with the red berries. But some of the birds would literally get drunk. Uh, when I say drunk, yeah. that may be a toxin, but they would act like they were drunk. I don't know of any that ever died from eating the pyracantha, and I suspect that we would get quite sick if we ate uh, pyracantha berries. I, now, I... I was told once, and I hope I don't know if this is true or not. Somebody out there might know that when the pyracantha, when the berries are aging, they they get older and start fermenting, fermenting. and then right. there's alcohol in there. So is I that think true? May, there may be some addiction going on here as well, <laughs> yeah. especially with a mockingbird. He's guarding his territory, but uh, that's an interesting observation, Sue. And I would say that I know I don't know of any birds that have died in my experience from that. And obviously they like them, but they'll eat other red berries as well, like the hall uh, uh, tree. The uh, the American beauty berry is a right, really good right. berry so, to plant. And it's not something that we would ever want to eat, but all all animals seem to love those berries. Yes. Yeah. 
All right, Sue, uh, Happy New Year. Good to hear from you. Let's move on next. Uh, Calvin's called in today from Ridgeland. Calvin, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Yes, hello. Uh, I have a question about fleas. Yes, sir. <clears throat> My, uh, I've always used the um, topical, like the Advantix 2 uh, flea repellent. I might have an indoor small dog, and he doesn't get much exposure to them. And this year... It, about three weeks into the month, I will find the, his whole hindquarters and top of his back full of these little tiny black things, and they're they're so hard uh, to to get. If you get it with the uh, tweezers, they almost you know they're they're almost like little rocks, and uh, they don't fly, and they also don't jump. So I thought. They weren't fleas, and the groomer said, no, they were some tiny kind of fleas, and nothing seems to kill them for any length of time other than that old-fashioned Adam's spray, which you have to do about every week, and the, you know, the dog, of course, hates that. But um, is there some other, is there some new, do fleas have four or six legs? That was killed. <laughs> if you looked at them under a microscope. No, I look at it. I have a really good magnifying glass. Okay, you're right. I had four. Uh, here's what here's what you may be seeing, and I'm trying. So, the seed it's tiny. It looked like flea dirt almost. Right. I so suspect small. I suspect that there are fleas. Okay, uh, mm-hmm. maybe immature. Uh, there's got to be a source though of where where this little puppy is getting them, and uh, I would say that probably. Uh, you may have some cats hanging around. Oh yeah, outside. Yes, but there's got to be a source. And if your advantage too is not taking care of them, I would switch to something else. Uh, I never of, had them when I had them on Trifexus. Right, Trifexus would be good. Uh, Brevecto would be good. That's the three month pill, uh-huh. uh, and it does it does a good job of working with the fleas, but. Uh, I don't think they're the immature ticks. Uh, they would be all over your dog's body rather than uh, in that area. Usually if you see hair loss and chewing uh, in the back third or back half of the body, usually it's fleas. So I suspect that's what you've got. That on his front leg. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, uh, when I first wasn't discovering them, them until late, you know, they – I guess because it's furthest away from the application site. Right. As the time goes on, they get the first time I ever noticed was when it walked across the right. state. Right. I think the best thing to do is is switch to a different flea control, regardless whether it's trifexis, that's a heartworm, flea, uh, intestinal worm pill. But uh, be sure that uh, you've switched to one that's good, and Comfortis is an excellent one as well. Uh, there are all kinds of flea control things, but I'm just telling you the ones that I know that work. So you might try the Revecto uh, as a as a pill. All right, uh, Calvin, thanks for your call. Next, we've got another caller on the line. Jim from Jackson, I think, also has a dog question for us. Go ahead, Jim. Good, Good morning. Good morning. I was calling for my brother, actually. He's a federal government employee who's on furlough, and he has a blue healer who he has had treated before for heartworm, and the treatment worked. I've seen the dog recently, and he's been doing fine. My brother's very close to him. 
he started uh, within the past week or so with a a regular cough, and my brother was concerned about that, thinking it may be the heartworm, and he's starting to show a little blood in his sputum. Okay. Um, we talked about treatment options, and he was saying, man, I don't know what to do. I had to take off work today to go to work somewhere else, you know, to make some money. Right. And the treatment was like a $1,000. And I told him, well, maybe you should take it to the vet and see if it's something else and not, you know, the heartworm. Is there anything else that you know of? How long ago was the treatment for the heartworms? It's been at least a year. Yeah. You know, there may be some permanent damage, uh, scarring, if you will, from, from heartworms, changing the shape of the heart, maybe some lung issues. Uh, I would hope that there's not much blood that you're seeing when he's coughing. I think it would be wise to have him checked again. I'm sure your brother put him on some sort of heartworm preventive uh, after right. the treatment. Right. And, he actually and, gave him one of those, another one of those pills. He, he always been giving them to him, but right. he gave him one other day, I guess, to try to calm the issues. Right. The and it, down, and it did. Right. So there may be other issues that are causing the cough. Uh, just like uh, your eye, we could have a pharyngitis. Have a tracheitis, so the trachea could be irritated, causing a cough that would sound very similar to heartworms. But yes, I would say when he can, let's get that dog into the vet and and have it checked out. Okay. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Jim. Let's take another break. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, an all pet day today. Questions for Doctor Troy Major at one eight seven seven MPB Ring. Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. When we get back, we've got Larry on the line from Jackson, and we've got some open phone lines ready for your questions. Also during the break, try to guess how much money on average Mississippians spend on their pets each month. Depending on your budget, you may be shocked by the answer. Stay tuned. If you miss anything on MPB Think Radio, you can always stay up to date by logging on to our website at mpbonline.org or use your mobile device and download our MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, where Mississippi is our mission. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. It's an all-pet day today. We're looking for your pet questions for Dr. Major. Call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 Before the break, we asked if you could guess the average amount Mississippians spend on their pets each month. Uh, according to uploans.com, Mississippians spend about $100.83 a month on their pets. Delaware was the highest in the country, averaging $311.00. And some of the surrounding states, Alabamians spend $158, those in Tennessee, $111, and our neighbors in Louisiana, $156. So um, does that seem about right, Dr. Major? I guess there are a lot of costs involved, and that's one thing uh, when you're – if you've never owned a pet before and thinking about getting one, what are some of the things to think about costs that you're going to be uh, – that, that will be incurred? You know, that there's a lot of variables that enter in, size of the animal uh, – just the different breeds, for example, poodles and some other breeds have to be groomed to be kept in decent shape. Uh, I would think that's a decent figure, somewhere maybe between that and more like 150. But I don't know how they took that poll, and that's an interesting that's an interesting trying to figure out how they came to that figure. 
Uh, I will mention one thing for people that uh, really is of concern. In the major uh, health issues, let's say a fracture or a torn ACL, uh, gastrointestinal surgery, those things can be quite expensive, uh, whether your local vet does it or a specialty clinic. And I recommend, uh, if your people are interested in pet health insurance, especially for those uh, catastrophic type things which can occur, because that can wreck your budget. And you know, people always say, "Well, I mortgage my house to do that," but uh, things can be pretty tight if you're, you're really having to make a decision where you have to spend. Fifteen hundred, three thousand dollars for surgery, uh, but uh, interesting figure, and I'm not sure how they came up with that figure. Uh, but yeah, health costs a concern not only for us as uh, humans, uh, but also for our pets as well. That's for sure. Uh, Larry from Jackson's been holding on for us. Larry, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. I have two questions to ask. Um, <clears throat> I just heard the last caller talk about his dog that was on some coughing. We have uh, two females, and one of them, she's a mix with a German Shepherd, and we have uh, like a pet bull. And the German Shepherd, you know, seemed like she'd be coughing, and I'm noticing. I hadn't took her to the vet yet, but what's the cause of she coughing? And the... Uh, um, the pet bull, you know, she seemed to be the dominant one. The two female, right? Is the how do they 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 fight sometimes, but not very often. I'm, I I think I have seen them fight about twice. They real friendly dogs. And how do how do one of the female come dominant over the other one? Well, you have different personalities for certain, and uh, in some instances the. Uh, They'll be, let's call one an alpha dog and the other uh, subservient, if you will. Obviously, the pit bull uh, seems to be more dominant. Uh, she probably would be dominant in other situations with other uh, dogs if you added dogs. Uh, but there are different, uh, if you uh, look at the different interaction between dogs, uh, if you have three or four, which you don't, you said you had two, but you can see that one will probably be dominant and the others will have some sort of pecking order on down. As far as the cough, there are a lot of different things that can cause a cough. We mentioned heartworms just a minute ago. Certainly, heartworm infestation can cause a coughing, but there are communicable coughing diseases that uh, dogs can have, uh, which can be spread from dog to dog, or a simple pharyngitis. A lot of the dogs that lick a lot uh, will develop a cough and uh, that sort of thing. So I can't tell you, uh, you know, without uh, an exam. So it might be good to get this dog into your vet and have it checked over. All right, Larry. Okay. When you mention lick a lot, what do you mean? They lick themselves a lot. Uh, they okay. uh, maybe get hair. Uh, uh, they may have infection uh, like a sore spot. And sometimes these dogs that lick quite a lot uh, will develop a cough. All right, Larry, appreciate your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're looking for your pet questions for Dr. Troy Major. The number to call is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 672 
7464. You can also email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We do have a couple of emails here. This one says, I have a 14-year-old Labrador mix who has diabetes and arthritis. She refuses to let me give her insulin injections. Is there anything else I can do for her? I looked at some references for natural remedies, but reviews were not very good. Any help would be greatly appreciated. Her health is starting to deteriorate. She eats but is losing weight, urinates all the time, is extremely thirsty, and is going blind. Well, you know, that's a difficult situation. Uh, I guess there are some dogs that would refuse an insulin shot. It's a very small needle. And most people can give those shots to a dog. Uh, I would say that diet would be important. Uh, you need to consult with your veterinarian about that. Uh, there are some diets that would be much more beneficial for a diabetic dog that uh, is not able to take uh, proper insulin shots. Um, it gets in a situation with a four, said 14-year-old, I think. Right. Uh and sounds like she's declining. Uh, I think my question would be, I guess, make her as comfortable as possible. Check with your vet about the diet, what she might eat that might help. And uh, she needs something, it sounds like, for arthritis as well. So uh, I'm kind of at a loss to give you more advice without actually seeing seeing the dog. Okay. Back to the phone lines we go, off to Greenwood. Uh, Catherine's on the line. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. I was just calling in about the pyrocanthus bushes and yes. berries. Uh-huh. Um, I'm originally from California, and every year we would go through this. We had big picture windows and sliding glass doors, and the birds would come, eat the berries, and as was suggested, they get kind of loopy. They would then fall in, fly directly into their reflections on the windows and doors, knock themselves out, and um, eventually recover and fly off. Right. And that was a yearly event. Right. <laughs> That's so. interesting observation, but that, that does happen. And there's a certain stage with the pyrocantha, especially, that uh, actually I guess they ferment, and whether it's alcohol or some other substance, they at least uh, can cause the birds to appear to be drunk in, in the case that you w- witnessed, they would fly into the windows and... Right. They did, would see their reflections, we thought. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. right. Um, yeah. Thought it was another bird and fly at them and then whatever. Catherine, do you remember how late in the season that was? What time? I really don't, and it was California, so the seasons are a yeah. bit different. So it can um, be very different, yeah. Yeah, so I, I really don't remember. I, I was a child. Yeah. I know the berries are not always... Don't always have that effect, but at no, certain they times they do. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm assuming it's when they've been on the bush for a pretty long time. Probably so, happen. but I don't think I really paid attention. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Catherine. Thanks for your call. Glad you called into Creature Comforts this morning. We've got some open phone lines ready for your pet questions. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org and we always like to hear your encounters with wildlife as well. Got another email here. Uh, This one says, I have a 14-year-old golden retriever. Obviously she won't be with us much longer. So last Mother's Day my children bought me a golden doodle puppy. They chose this breed because they hardly shed. 
The dog gets along fab- the dogs get along fabulously, but she doesn't know how to tell me when she needs to go outside. I let them outside frequently, but don't always know when she has to go, and she has the occasional accident in the house if my timing is off. She's nine months old. I'm 68 and have arthritis, so it's difficult for me to clean up after her. She's a sweet, sweet girl. Do you have any suggestions for me? Well, a lot of times the older dog will help train the younger one, but she got this puppy on Mother's Day. Right, last Mother's she, Day. Yeah, so, 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 so the puppy is, uh, close, you know, will be a year old shortly. Uh, retraining is hard to do. I don't know if you have a doggy door or not, possibly not. But uh, a lot of times they will uh, simply go simply because they can't tell you. Uh, crate training at an early age seems to be one of the best ways to train. Uh, by crate training, I'm saying a kennel uh, and let the dog out frequently. Uh, once it gets to be a habit, if she's going throughout the house, and, you know, frankly, they love to go on carpet, especially as wet as it's been the past month or two, they don't like to get their feet wet and cold going out. So I'm sure that puppy would rather go out to the bathroom and probably is doing both. In other words, it's probably going outside, but also uh, having accidents inside. If there's any way that they could retrain or confine this puppy to uh, an area that has tile or something would be easier to clean up. And I certainly sympathize with you're trying to clean up with uh, your case or with arthritis does make it difficult. But uh, I would say that you can consult with your vet, and there are people uh, who help from the standpoint of training that might uh, you might uh, find somebody that could help you actually train this dog and be better. Yeah, so I think maybe your vet uh, would be a good way to maybe get in touch with other resources for right. to help train the dog. Right, and, you know, there's probably not any medical condition going on with this dog, but there might be. So I would suspect that a good urinalysis and just checkup would be a good thing to try to help uh, come up with a solution. All right, let's get one more call in before our next break, and we say good morning to Terry, who's called in from Cleveland. Good morning, Terry. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, yes, I have a son who is two years old, and I was thinking about getting his first dog. Um, I was thinking about getting a Boston Terrier. Would you think that would be a good first dog for a young son, or is there any other breeds you would recommend? First of all, do you like Boston Terriers? Uh, yeah, I've had okay. one yeah. before, and I found it easy to train. Right. Compared uh, to others I, just, I, I just asked that question. Uh whether somebody had told you to get one or not, but I think it would be good. <clears throat> They're usually very personable, and I know quite a few that uh, uh, are with smaller children, and they do quite well. I think it would be an excellent choice. Yeah, I just never had one around a small child, and I was curious how they do. I I think they should be fine. A two-year-old, they kind of would start growing up together. And uh, if you got a puppy, and I would say that that would be a good choice. Okay, great. Thank you so much for your opinion. I appreciate it. All right, Terry. Thanks for your call. Uh, Let's take our final break this hour. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio, and it's an all-pet day with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. The number to call if you have a pet question is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-672. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. 
Back to wrap up the program after this. MPB listeners pay attention to quality. They look for quality in their work and their daily lives. If your business cares about quality customers, look to MPB. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting for more information. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're dedicating this first Creature Comforts of 2019 to your pet. So if you have a pet question, we still have some time to work in a phone call or two. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We do have another email here. It says, I have a red fox that visits me twice daily for the fresh egg I put out for him. I've taken pictures and now he appears to have mange. What should I do about it? First of all, Libby, is it a good idea to interact that closely with, with wild animals, do you think? Well, all right, she's putting out an egg for him to eat is what she's saying, which is probably not a bad thing. I would rather that than dog food or cat food, actually. But, um, it, yeah, it's 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 a little bit dangerous to, you know, I, I would say if it were me, what I've learned to do is to just kind of watch the wild animal and let it go about its business. But I would I would love watching it, and I wouldn't want to discourage it from being around. Yeah. But I'd be real careful when you start feeding it because they can start begging. If you have your own dogs and cats, if you have pets, we she's not on the phone, so we can't ask those kind of questions. But um, you do need to be careful, and particularly if it's got mange now. And Troy probably needs to address the mange. Well, you know, here's the thing, and they can be predators on cats. Uh, some of these foxes get pretty good size, small mm-hmm. ones. Uh, possibly not, but I've, what fox can get up 15, 20 pounds, and there's some large ones out there. Uh, this sounds like the start of a chupacabra. Um, we see, I'm joking, of course. Uh, we see, though, with the mange that a lot of times they'll lose hair, possibly all over the body, and quite often they'll turn kind of gray or blue when they do that. Okay, we accept the fact that she's feeding the fox. Uh, it's not recommended in general to feed wild animals. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, she's doing it. If I were going to do it and treat the fox, obviously you're not going to catch it and do it, but I'll say the brand name of a, something that she could use, and it would be Brevecto. Uh, Brevecto is off-label. It's used to treat mange, both sarcoptic and demodectic mange. Usually these animals would have demodectic mange, but uh, it'd be hard to say. So she could use that uh, and put it out in the food if she's feeding. And if the fox would eat it, I think it would help. And that's about the only thing I can say. The other thing is you've got to be aware that it is a wild animal. And if your pets and your neighbor's pets are not vaccinated for rabies, which they should be, but uh, that would be a, a possibility uh, in our wild animal population. So just be careful. All right. How likely is it for your dog to catch mange from an animal? It's, like uh, sarcoptic mange would be fairly easily spread, um, but usually that's through bedding and close contact. You're not going to catch the demodectic mange or red mange, which some people call it. Mm-hmm. 
uh, you're not going to catch that through casual contact. Okay. All right. Uh, earlier in the show, we talked about some of the pet-related uh, products at the Consumer Electronics Show that takes place in Las Vegas each year. We talked about the collar with a tracking, LTE tracking and an HD camera. And as Dr. Major pointed out, as I, I said, it was similar to the chip, but as he pointed out, the it, a chip does not track, so the tracking collar might be helpful if your dog or cat likes to roam the neighborhood. Um, we talked about the uh, the pet sauna uh, that'll blow dry your dog uh, for uh, by circulating warm air slowly around him. A little pricey on that. That seems kind of exotic, but who knows? Uh, another one, and I'm not sure how this would work, a smart pet door that only lets pets in and out. So does it... Facial recognition of uh, Fido or <laughs> yeah. uh, TSA, yeah, I, they've got the facial recognition thing going. Yeah, no. Don't let the red fox uh, in. Usually, it invo- they've, these have been around for a while, and I'm not sure the technology behind this particular one. But uh, you would have to have a collar that had a transmitter ah, on okay. it uh, to to let it open the door, unless there's something else that I'm not aware of. Uh, yes, the fox could follow in. I always enjoy that uh, advertisement uh, where where they have the raccoon uh, that she's talking about how pretty it is and all that. You know, come on in, kitty. Well, that can happen, and uh, I think it's one of the things with the pet door that uh, people uh, have other animals have access to it if you don't have some way to do that, and that's the reason for this. I would think they probably have a transmitter on the collar. Which would open it? Yeah, we got the thumbs up from Java in the control room, so I believe that's how that works. Uh, the last one is a device to keep the pet out of certain areas at home. <laughs> so instead of a shock similar to an invisible fence, it gives an ultrasonic vibration. And again, I guess this would work through a, a collar. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on on how effective that might be? One of the problems that I've always had, and, and you know, if you read catalogs and stuff like that, it's interesting to look at and see advertising. They talk about the ultra, ultrasonic things that keep roaches and mm-hmm. mice and uh, even deer out of your yard. How many of those work, I don't know. I, I would have to think that uh, if it worked on one of the pets, it would probably work on all of them. If it's ultrasonic, it wouldn't make any difference whether they had a collar on or not, unless they had to wear something to trip it and make it go off. I suspect most of these things operate all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, years ago, my daughter had some kind of a device that they were trying to keep the cat out of one room, Mm -hmm. and it it had like a motion detector, and it would just blow a puff of air, Mm. and the cat learned really quick. Do they still sell those? They still have those. Of course, you have to keep it charged up, Mm -hmm. but uh, like if you wanted to put it on the counter to keep a cat from jumping Mm -hmm. up on the counter, it would do that, and most of the cats would go away. Yeah, it worked very well. Yeah, you that, can keep that seems like a cat out of a baby solution that that would work. Because yeah. I know my cat, if I blew a puff of air in his face, he would not. Mm-hmm. He would he would leave the area. So, uh, Bill is on the line from Columbus. Bill, we're pressed for time, so if you could be brief with your question. Yeah, it's gonna be brief. Uh, my my pet is afraid of thunder and 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 you know, just thunder, loud sound like firework, anything. Is there anything I can do to get him out of there? Probably got, not going to change his personality. There are things that you can give that would help. Some of these are fairly uh, mild. Talk to your vet about it. Uh, I'm not talking about Valium and things like that, but there are some some actual uh, medications that you could give prior to, say, New Year's and times when you know that there would be a lot of noise 
or when you know there's going to be a thunderstorm. However, we're in Mississippi, and we can have a thunderstorm most any time. So uh, good luck to you. Talk to your vet about it. Maybe they can come up with a plan. All right, Bill, thanks for that call. Uh, that uh, going to about wrap us up. Got about 30 seconds left. So uh, thanks for everybody that called in today uh, to share their questions about your pets. Remember, you can always uh, use that email uh, during the week if you have a question, and we'll try to work it in on our show on Thursday. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded provided in part uh, by listeners like you. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can go to mpbonline.org slash creaturecomforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned. Up next, it's our newest program, it's autocorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. to a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB 